Welcome to The Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place that we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. I am Pastor David. We got James. Hey, hey. And we got a special guest, Alex Medina, in the building today. How you doing? How you doing? Where's the applause button? There it is. There it is. Man, how how y'all been? Oh, well. I've been good, man. Did I tell you I bought a truck? No, you didn't. I did. I I, I bought a truck, too. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I bet. Your truck is better than my truck. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I spent all day yesterday pulling dents out. Okay. I got dents in mine, too. Okay. part well, of the reason I got a deal on it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the betray. The, no, I, I just say that. There were just little knickknacks, little dings and stuff like that. I got to get a whole new tailgate on mine. Okay. Well, to, I ordered a fender for mine. Okay. So we're at, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent 3500 bucks. Oh, it's a man. good Good truck. What truck is it? What's the year? What's the make? Two thousand five. Okay. GMC Sahara. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You you went old school. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was a friend of ours, Steve Quayer. Shout out to uh, Steve. He got a new truck, and I bought his. And nice. Uh, yes. I mean, the majority of the truck is in excellent excellent shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, teenage driver was driving yeah. it for a while, so mm-hmm. there's a little a few dings and dents in it. Yeah, but yeah. I I got all that squared away yesterday and. Uh, um, so now it looks like a decent little truck. Nice, nice. I yeah. still got to make mine look nicer, but yeah. uh, overall, it's not bad. It's definitely got a dent in the uh, on the like driver's side, like up by the by the front of it, and then there's a dent in the tailgate, and something's up with it where like it won't come down. So I definitely got to get a new tailgate. Yeah, um, some paints chipped on the front, but overall, it's pretty nice. And most of the co- stuff is cosmetic. Uh, but I think it's got a solid engine. 2012 Nissan Titan. Okay. Only had 115,000 miles on it. Yeah. Those are, so, those are good yeah. trucks. Yeah. Uh, Amazon $35 dent repair, mm. paintless dent repair uh, deal that I bought. And man, it worked very, very good. So what, like it pulls it out? Or? Yeah. They have these little tabs that you put glue on this, this special hot glue that, and then you just have this little thing that that you squeeze and it just pulls the dents out. And That's just, what I need right yeah, there, man. man. Thirty five bucks on Amazon. That's man. what I need. Yeah. I so it, yeah, try it out. I spent all day yesterday, about eight hours, just going around. There's little dings and dents and mm-hmm. just pulling all the stuff out. And man, I, I tell you, it uh, it did really, really good. Let me tell you about the the deal I got on it. Right. Okay. okay. So <laughs> since 2012, uh, 115 thousand miles. Right. So. Those trucks, when I was looking around, they were going for like ten or twelve thousand or so, or more, depending on the condition and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I saw this listed on Craigslist for seventy two hundred bucks. Wow! So I was like, all right, so something's something's up, right? Like, but I was I decided I was going to go check it out anyway, right? So uh, I hit up my dad and say, hey, you free tomorrow to come check this out with me because he knows more about cars and all that stuff. So anyway, we go out. It's over on the other side of town. We go check it out, and I see it's got the dent in the side. It's nothing crazy, but there's definitely a dent there. The tailgate doesn't come down. There's a couple little things like that. But uh, but the engine's all cool, and everything's good on it. It doesn't have a lot of miles. It's not crazy old. And I'm getting something to replace my van because it looks like I'm going to have to sell it, which is uh, where's uh, some sad sounds or something. I know. That's <laughs> I know, iconic. Man. That is, that, that is <laughs> that's you. I told you I, I don't know if – I don't remember what all I said on here, but – uh, I got an issue with the van. Long story short, it's going to cost me like fifteen hundred bucks or so to yeah. properly fix it, and so I basically either got to bite the bullet and bet that it's not going to have any other major issues for the next four or five years and spend the money on it, or just get so- 
something else and sell it. Yeah. And uh, since I found a deal on this truck, I'm going to end up just having to sell it. But but anyway, so list is 7200 bucks. We check it out. And I tell my dad, I say, hey, if I can get it for like 6500 I think I'll, I'll do this deal here, right? He's like, all right, all right. So anyway, long story short, I negotiate. I tell the guy I'll, I'd do 6200 on it. And uh, he says, well, you know, my wife's got to give me the okay. It's my father-in-law's truck he owns some dealership in town and we've been borrowing it from them so she's got to talk to him and, da, 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 da. and i said okay cool whatever man you got my number go talk to whoever you got to talk to let me know what you think so we get in uh, the car to leave and i get a text from the guy he says 6500 so i guess he just went inside talked to the wife she's like 65 so i said 65 that's exactly what i was trying to get mm-hmm. said i'm gonna call him up and so i called him me i said hey 6500 sounds fair to me i'll do the deal with you and so i talked to the lady and uh, she says, yeah, in 65, that's uh, including the title transfer fee. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, that sounds even better. Like, yeah, we'll do it. For sure. <laughs> so, uh, so the next day, we go. I go back across town to go sign the papers, get the truck and all, because I didn't carry all that cash on me. And uh, as I'm signing the papers and stuff, she goes, I, I said something like, I know you said this uh, included the title transfer fee and this and that. And I said, so I should just, I said, so I should just have to go to the courthouse, pay the taxes on it and be done. Right. And she goes, no, 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 this is including the taxes. Everything. They did it right just, there and then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she had it listed that I paid 6,000 for the truck and then taxes, blah, 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 fees, 6,500 all the way. And I thought, dude, these guys are the worst negotiators. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so essentially what happened is they had it listed for 7200 I said, I'll do 6200 And she said, how about 6000 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is ridiculous. But, uh, and then I realized, because that's, that's it's, got, it's got a few dents in it and stuff. And, uh, I, and the guy was saying, yeah, my wife, she's about to have a baby. We just need to get rid of this. We were borrowing it from this dealership. We just kind of need to get rid of it. And I realized, uh, I bet you that dude put a dent. Like, one of those dents was probably like, him. I can't return this to my father-in-law. <laughs> yeah, because he said he was borrowing it from him. I was like, I bet you he's the one that dented one of these things and was like, we yeah. got to get rid of this yeah. thing. Before they see it. Yeah, right. so, yeah I'd rather take 6500 to my father-in-law than dent it up truck. Yeah, so I, think, I don't even think they're going to tell him about the truck. I think they just sold it, going to kind of shuffle the paperwork away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the good thing about those is that uh, once you fix it, do it yourself. You know, you'll have it to where... However you want it, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I just got to tailgate, a little paint, this and that, nothing too crazy, and should last me another decade, hopefully. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. That is awesome. I love, I, man, I enjoyed the heck out of it, just being in the, of course, you know, my garage is air conditioner, so I just pull the sucker in there, and I was working the yeah. air conditioner uh-huh. on, it was like 65 degrees in there, I'm in there. But Bougie I, David yeah, here. Yeah, I was, uh. AC. But I enjoyed it, man. It was just it was a challenge all day long, just yeah. going to the next little ding and pulling that uh-huh. little ding out, and yeah. So, but yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I'm going to restore a whole car. Like that's my. That's I'm not going to do that. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> that's my dream. I love the idea of that, but I know I'm never going to do that. There's yeah. too much for me to learn. To so, what is your car thing. choice? Um, probably a '66, '67 fastback. Mustang. Wow. That would that would be the one that I would I my dream. But those things are like being become more and more rare and more and more mm-hmm. expensive. So I don't know if I would ever be you know, it's probably gonna be something in the seventies or the eighties time I get ready to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh because those I had a, a nineteen eighty three 
uh, 5-0 Mustang when I was a kid. So maybe something like that, you know, um, w- once I get a little bit older and settle mm-hmm. down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you don't see them anymore. I no, mean, it's no. rare. Rare yeah. where you'll see them on the road. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, something. Um, I don't know. I might even take one, you know, something like a two thousand, like this uh, uh, this truck. You know, if anything ever goes bad with the engine, just maybe just hot rod it out a little yeah. bit, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a good little truck. So um, I don't know. I've always <laughs> I always dreamed to do that with one of my kids, just build something and yeah. let them race it or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, yeah. yep. All right, man. Um, let's jump right into culture corner. All right, James, what you got for us today? You got an animal story for us? No, there's no animals this time. <laughs> this is, a, uh, this is a, an art story. All right, okay, okay. Right, so this was, uh, this was posted, let's see, this was posted on May 30th, so that was, oh, is that today? No, that was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, today's, today's the first? Yeah, today's the 31st. 31st. Oh, yeah, there's three, okay. Yeah. So this is super recent, basically, okay. is what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So there's a man. This is the opening thing. It says a man disguised as an elderly woman in a wheelchair smeared cake across a piece of glass that protects the Mona Lisa at Paris's famous <gasps> Laverne Museum, what? and was sent for a psychiatric psychiatric evaluation. So this dude, we haven't. They, this story doesn't really. It's kind of sad because it doesn't wrap up. It, it just kind of gives you more questions. But basically, this dude dressed up as an old lady in a wheelchair. He's undercover, I guess. <laughs> Goes in there to check it out, and at some point, he jumps out from the wheelchair and starts smearing cake like he's trying to destroy the painting. And uh, But, you know, it's the Mona Lisa, dude. It's covered with, like, yeah. bulletproof bulletproof glass and all you walk up to <laughs> <laughs> so nothing happens to the painting, obviously. Uh, and they had to, like, tackle the guy and take him out, and now he's, like... So it's just some crazy dude. And so, but for him to dress up like an old lady, yeah. So it, it might be <laughs> like one of those guys that goes around and does this, like done it before, and he had to like disguise himself. That, I don't know. That's yeah. He's always just smearing cake. It, he did say <laughs> <laughs> he's like the DJ. Uh, What's the DJ? That's yeah, always yeah. Oh yeah, Aoki or whatever. Yeah, okay, yeah. He, um, but so apparently, it says while he was doing it, he was shouting, uh, "Think about the Earth." So they were like, was it some kind of, uh, like, save the planet kind of activism something in some weird way? Anyway, none of mm. it really made sense. So they they took him to a mental place, and they're that checking him out. makes you want to ask, was that an organic cake? Right. Or- right. <laughs> Gluten-free, organic, all. Think about it. Oh, man. Yeah, so that happened. They took him away, and uh, they haven't said what what the end result is for the guy, but he's locked up for a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's federal offense. Yeah, that was a, um, that's kind of like that uh, one of the stories you had where the guy broke the, broke off a finger or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah. A toe. A toe. It, it was, was a toe, I think it was. It was a piece of some statue. Yeah. Um, and it was like an old from the like 1500s or something right. statue. Yeah, Humboldt should have just got his bubble gum and just stuck yeah. it back in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because he was taking a selfie with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Should have had some bulletproof glass around it, you know. For around sure. that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Honduras. They coming in last week. Uh, <laughs> Just off the top, uh, coming in to listen to the Refuge Project all the way in Honduras, man. So uh, they've been they've been in here before, but they're come back for the first time in a in a 
while. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Honduras. I got an interesting uh, poll. Pastor Mark kind of talked about it in the uh, in, in our staff meeting today, and then. Um, I looked up the looked up the story. There was not a whole lot to the story, but there was a poll taken, and there were some different questions, and it was pretty interesting. Forty percent of associate pastors, only forty percent of associate pastors have a biblical world view, and only sixty percent of lead pastors have a biblical world uh, view. Um, so, I mean, I think this is, this is, uh, what do you, what do you mean by biblical worldview? So when we see what's going on in the world, we, we refer back to the Bible. Okay. You know, not kind of what culture is teaching us. Right. And you said 40%, 40% of associate pastors do or don't do. So yeah, that means less 60% than don't, Yeah, wow. you know, um, so, you know, we were just really talking about this generation is, um, and this is America, by the way, um, we always think about America being, you know, God's country and, you know, mm-hmm. this is where God is blessing the Christians and they escape from all over the world. And here we are, mm-hmm. we're trying to be better than everybody else. And then here, you know, somehow we got to this point, um, and I think that when we look at this, that this generation is really changing the world right now because mm-hmm. the rest of the world looks like looks at America, you yeah. know, uh, for their next moves and what they're going to do. And, and we're going to talk about uh, here in a little bit, Alex, uh, his journey to becoming a missionary. And if you go into the rest of the world, um, I remember talking to some uh, African pastors and they and they their whole goal in life. Uh, as ministry, if they could ever make it to America, that's when God has really blessed them. Yeah, you know, because we're the home of the the free, and and we we're able to do stuff here that the rest of the world is not doing. But when we begin to take the Bible out of the whole situation and mm-hmm. and the the view that we have on the world, how we have on culture, um, we're going to be just like the rest of the communist world, mm-hmm. um, and. We can already see it that like uh, freedoms are being taken away and bigger governments moving in and different things like that. And I think that comes from having a, a worldly world view, you know. Um, so, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't really, uh, the, the article that I read on it didn't have a lot of like um, really deeper and a deeper dive into what was going on but just for just thinking about it alex and, and you you might have some insight on this because you've you've traveled mm-hmm. a little bit on short-term mission trips but just the way america sees america and the way the rest of the world sees america i think is two different views definitely it is it is uh, i read an article once about a, a missionary that was out in china and uh he asked the 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 people there you know pray for for our country so you could you know and and you know and they were like we want what you have and and he was saying the opposite you know he was saying we want what y'all have because they would stay there hours we're here we're complaining look at it a time after two or three hours trying to get home to watch a game or whatever and some of those remote countries they want just more of god you know and and those those statistics that you're saying sound about right you know Something the pastor preached this Sunday was sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of churches have fallen away from it. You know, where I'm going, same thing. You know, there there is no no sound doctrine. It's it's what they've been taught, and sometimes the sound doctrine wasn't what they were taught. Yeah, and that's where we fall. Where okay, 
we try to mix it up. You know, sound doctrine, world doctrine. Ah, it's okay to just snip a little bit from here and there and it will be all right. And that's where we fall short, you know. And we have to be very careful with that. Yeah. They talk about it in, in the in the fight world, like boxing or you know MMA or whatever. It's hard to wake up when you're when you're sleeping in silk sheets. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you've made it and you have millions of dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. it's hard to get up and train as hard as it yeah. used to be when you was still on welfare and you was just trying to make it out of the out of the you know the the poor neighborhoods and you're fighting for your family and you're fighting mm-hmm. for all these different things. But then when you get on top. When you have accomplished all of your goals, it's hard to get out of bed. And I think that's where America is right now, where you see other countries staying and waiting on God and leaning into what God is doing and in the service when here in America where we're like, okay, we have We've already accomplished all that. We've mm-hmm. God has, has has ran through our nation, and He's done these big movements, and, and and He's just really poured His His Spirit out on America. So, hey, you know, now it's time for us to sit back and just let the rest of the world just want what we have. Um, I think it's it's dangerous, and it's really um, moving in on our church. You know, so. Yeah. It's pretty scary. So, yes. if you have, if you if you can't if you can't look at the world and see what's going on, and you don't refer back to the Bible, you really need to get on your knees and and uh, figure out what's really going on in your life. And I can tell you this: if that's you, look at your history in your browser on the internet, on your YouTube channel, on all these your social media, and find out what you're watching. And I bet you more of that is stuff that doesn't represent with who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just filling your life with a bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. and it's affecting the way you see the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, but yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I got a song for you. I'm going to call it Throwback Thursday, man, because I uh, <laughs> I went back to hear. On a Tuesday. <laughs> on a Tuesday, yeah. We're recording this on Tuesday. It'll come out on a Thursday. So um, uh, I went back. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go find a song that it, it jammed back in the day. You <laughs> oh, know? I'm excited to hear what So it this is, is uh, 1990, Michael W. Smith, Peace in This World. Oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> It's harder than it seems Feels like I'm looking for a reason Roaming through the night To find my place in this world My place in this world Not a lot to lean on I need your light to help me find My place in this world My place 
I forgot about that song. Oh, that's the jam, bro. <laughs> Place in this world. Hey, if you've been a Christian for any time at all, uh, you, you, Michael W. Smith has been putting out hits forever. Yeah. This yeah. is a young Michael W. Smith with a grand piano He's on got the beach. He's got a mullet. <laughs> I mean, yes, this is a, a late 80s, early 90s. At its best. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah, I told. I've never seen this video before. The video makes this a thousand times better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So who the poor soul that got this piano back after it had sand all yeah, in right. it? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> had to haul it on the beach. Those things are heavy. They yeah. only work hey, if they're on wheels. You can't idea. roll things on wheels on the sand. Yeah, I got this great idea. Let's take a grand piano yeah. on the sand on the beach. Somebody had to carry it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't roll it. Oh, they probably man. had to hire a crane. I'm not even joking. They probably did and had to set it in. Oh man, yeah. What we, what we you know what blows it? my mind about old music videos like this is they would spend. I I don't remember what the video was, but at some point I was out bowling, and you know at bowling alleys they just have ridiculous music videos playing the whole time, right? And it was some like old Shania Twain or something like that. Uh, video and it was just the dumbest video and it was like all these explosions and now she's giant in the city it was just it was just crazy I, I wish i remember what video it was but i was sitting there looking at it and i was like this is such a stupid video nobody <laughs> here thinks this is good and i said and that video for sure cost over a million dollars to oh make. yeah oh yeah for sure yeah and so like this video here like it's silly and re- they for sure spent over uh, 40, 50 grand at least oh, yeah. easy well, they have, on mean, the light side. We're talking about late 80s, early 90s, and they have these aerial shots. So, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, they're having probably. They had to rent a helicopter. Yeah, helicopter. <laughs> I'm telling you, and they probably rented a crane for that piano. Yeah, yeah, they, ha- yeah. they probably had to, like, close down a beach for close the day. Close down a beach and like... rake the, all the tire tracks <laughs> away. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have a whole crew. That was a that was 100 grand easy. Yeah, I, I remember listening to these. Uh, and it's not that good. It's, like, it's <laughs> stupid. That's, that's the point is all these videos, they're not even good. Uh, and they're spending so much money on it. Yeah. I mean, back in those days, man, an album budget was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, millions and millions of yeah. dollars. You know, Now you can do it at your, in your bedroom in your house. But that's a little bit different because they were using... Because they the equipment was limited, so yeah. like you couldn't just record stuff on your laptop at home. You had to go rent out a massive console and have yeah. all the outboard mm-hmm. gear and use a tape machine and actual tape. Like it was, so, it was a little bit different, but still, the budgets are pretty <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. Wow. At least you'd have a good sounding album at the end of it. This is <laughs> like you still have dumb videos at the end of the video production budget. <laughs> So, 1990, Alex, where were you at in 1990? 1990, I was in... on the beach here. No. No, I would say I was in middle school. uh, Jackson Middle School. Jackson Middle School. So, who was was Alex Medina in Jackson Middle School? Oh, Rockster. Rockster. I remember 90s, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, all that. Black shirts with uh, band names on them. Yeah. You know, walking to school. Had to go to Jack in the Box every morning to get my shake and my burger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my breakfast back then. But yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, more of a loner. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't really have that many friends in, in middle school. I just kept to myself. Yeah. You know? So 
Um, if you don't know, Alex Medina's been around here for a minute now. When did you start coming to Elam? 2007. 2007. So my first re- uh, interaction with you, uh, first thing, I mean, I remember you coming to Crux when my cousin and I mm-hmm. were, were doing it. And uh, back then, we were having some really spirit-filled um uh, services. services that yeah. man, people yeah. were being slain in the spirit. I mean, just really like a revival type mm-hmm. stuff that were going on. And I remember uh, we were going and we were praying for people, and people was just like falling mm-hmm. out, falling out. Well, we get to this this uh, this young man, and we begin to pray with him, and and the Holy Spirit was trying to take him <laughs> out, and it was almost like. Alex's toes were gripping the carpet <laughs> because the spirit was on him, man. But he he was just oh, like, yeah. he I was, was not truly that, fighting it. Yeah, he was truly <laughs> fighting. So for somebody that's like maybe the never experienced something like that, bring, bring back the kind of the emotions and stuff that you were going through at that well, time. Yeah. And then where were you in your faith at right around that time? Right about then. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I came from a Catholic background, so I really Christianity, slain in the spirit, speaking in tongues really wasn't my thing. You yeah. know, uh, we had started coming to the church, felt the love of everybody here, you know. So I, and I, I remember that. I remember going to uh, Jeremy's mm-hmm. on Friday nights. And man, it was, the atmosphere was thick. You know, you walk into a Catholic church, you don't feel that. You know, yeah. it's it's all routine, everything. You know, you get there, you pick up the book, the first part of the book. It's routine. He says a maybe fifteen minute message, and then the rest of the book is routine as well. Right. Or here, every time you come, it's going to be different. Yeah. You know, so you, God's movement, it's different yeah. <laughs> every time. It's fresh. It's fresh. Yeah. Which which was what it was that that night that I went and and. I don't know if you remember, but I was slain. Yeah. I did fall down. You finally, you finally uh, went down. I, I finally <laughs> went down. But you know, as I was standing there, and I and I was like, I need to go up there. You know, I want, I want this. I want this. And you get to think and say, Is it real or is it not real? You know, and even when they're praying over you, it's like your flesh and your spirit are fighting. Yeah, they're actually going at it. Mm-hmm. MMA. <laughs> yeah, know? for you sure. You know, so so when you said, Hey, my feet were gripping the carpet. It's 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 not. It's not a lie. You know, I was like, I don't want to fall because what's going in my mind is like, what are they going to think of me? My wife was back there and I was like, what is she going to think of me and all this other stuff? And it finally came to the point where, you know, hey, if I want this, you just have to, you know, give in. Yeah. Give in. And and that's eventually what happened. I just said, you know what? And I need to stop fighting it. Let me receive it. Wow. And next thing I know. I'm being picked up because yeah. I don't remember the falling part. I don't remember the lying there part. You know, the only thing I remember is like, hey, you know, are you okay? Let's let's get up. Yeah. That whole that whole time being on 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 the floor, it's it's peaceful. Right. It's like in God's peace. You yeah. Know? So that's awesome. So we were t- talking a little bit before, and um, you were saying that when you when you grew up, that you really didn't have any type of uh, you know faith background or anything like that. It's, you know, you, you did go to a Catholic church at some mm-hmm. point. Um, so, what was the change in life when you decided, hey man, you know, I need to do something different? Uh, you know, maybe the the experience that you had in the Catholic church kind of wasn't doing it for you. You was really trying to find out. Because something like you said a while ago was some, a fresh experience with God. Yeah, yeah. My whole life, you know, it's it's basically job after job. Uh, one good talent that God gave me was wherever I went, I would prosper. You know, I would always move up. Uh, 
management, 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 wherever I went, you know. And I never gave it credit to God. I was always like, hey, I'm doing something good. I'm a, you know, I'm not going to say the word here, but a bad, you know. (laughs) So it it was all me, you know, it was all me. And uh, I was those type of persons, you know. I had to have that nice TV, had to have that new phone, you know, the, the, the materialistic things. Well, when we finally moved here in 2007, it got to a point where you realize, hey, you know, what more can you get? <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you have this good job and everything. But, you know, you hear people say there's something missing. And with me, it was the same thing. You know, there's something missing. And the thing is, you never say, oh, God's missing. That's never the first thing you say. Wow. You know, the, the first thing you say is like, okay, should I upgrade on this? Should I repaint this room? Should, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it got to that point where I would walk around and say, What's missing? Mm. Never saying it to God. And it was actually my wife, because my wife was always more the spiritual type. She would always be in her Bible praying and all that. And I told her, I'm like, I feel like something's missing. And she knew me by then. She was like, oh, what do you want? That new game for your PS3 or 4 or whatever, or, or new tires or a new phone. And I was like, no, it's not that. And she was actually the one that said, well, maybe we need to get involved with God and see what he has to offer. Wow. And then again, it wasn't like, okay, or when she said that, we couldn't pinpoint it to, we knew it wasn't the Catholic Church, because we attended it and it wasn't there. So we started with different churches, Baptist churches, uh, Lutheran, and and it is just, we would walk in and we're like, eh, I don't know. And she's like, why are we going so far? Why don't we try this church down the street that has the palm trees? You know, because we even went to St. Augustine and it was like, oh, it's normal. You know, it's like the regular churches we went to. And I was like, well, there's one more church. I go, you want to go try you right. know, uh, the, the palm tree church is what, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> what we would say. So was it like one of those things like uh, you got in church and then everything changed or did you have to like, you know, commit and not commit? And so how, how did that work out for you? Well, when we arrived here, the the first difference we saw is we got to the, the, the doors and, you know, how there's always uh, elders standing there and, yeah. hey, welcome, and hugs and everything. And you question and you're like, Whoa, we've never experienced that, never in our lives, you know, and, and of course, being from the world, we're like, what do they want? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, why, they want my money. You know, why are they being so nice? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And As they're <laughs> pulling your pocket, uh, your, your wallet out of your pocket. And, uh, <laughs> and we walked in, beautiful building, heard, you know, Pastor Ron was preaching back then, beautiful message. And I was like, wow, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I looked down to see, okay, are we going to follow a routine or something? And it wasn't, it was more, you know, spirit led, you know, spirit led. Uh, afterwards, I'm not going to say the first day, Maybe maybe the second time we came, Brother Josh, hey, how you doing? We welcome you to our Sunday school class and stuff like that. You don't get that at a Catholic church. Service yeah. is done. Hey, you're out of here, you know? And I was like, hey, let, let's check it out. The involvement. I mean, I remember him like, hey, how are you doing on, on Thanksgiving? You know, you need turkeys. We have this, you know, vouchers for turkeys. You know, an involvement of all the people. Right. You know, uh, I, I think that's what really kept us here the involvement the accountability the checking up you know josh would call us and say are you doing okay is anything we can pray for you for you know and and that that itself is is what really you know caught our attention where we're like you know what this is an awesome church yeah you know and once we grew into it of course then we're the ones that saying hey brother hey sister we have these other things you know Mm -hmm. uh 
come over and check it out and come to yeah. the pop-up tents. We have the, the Easter eggs, huh? you know, stuff like that where we, we had never seen that. Right. So what was that first ministry that you like found yourself like really getting behind and serving in? First ministry, I guess the, the when Pastor Anufo actually asked me, uh, and it's funny, it's funny how that happened, you know, uh, when, when he asked me to actually speak on the Monday nights, you know, with the men's biblical class, it was more like an honor because I was like, I'm not up to it. And then also more like, well, let me tell you how it happened. You know, we would, we would go to the crux services and Pastor Anufo would always be preaching up there. And I remember I would be next to my wife and I would always nag her and tell her, man, he goes, that's good what he's saying. You know, I was always in my word now, you know, so I was like, but he should have said it this way. You know, it would have sounded a little bit better. And after so many times saying that, my wife, I guess she got tired of me saying it. She was like, well, if you think he should have said it better and you should have said it the way that you're saying, why don't you go up there? And I was like, okay. And right after she said that, you know, pastor actually came up to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not... Sure, if my wife probably put him up to it, but <laughs> but but it was it was a few days later where Pastor actually came up to me and he was like, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, will you be willing to fill a slot on on uh, Monday Monday nights with the guys and maybe teach something?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure," but it wasn't as easy as yeah. <laughs> you know. It's never as easy to criticize and then yeah. when you're actually up there and then all mm-hmm. eyes are on you, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to prepare something. And and my thing wasn't that because you know I I do the safety meetings at work and did all these other things. It's just that I was I knew that I was held at a different accountability. Right. Or if I said something that that wasn't right or something, then. Yeah. You know, now my actually my my soul was at stake. You know, it's always easier to approve pr- on something that somebody else has already done the work yeah. on, yeah, you sure. than, than coming up with it all on your own. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then after that, it's just like, hey, from uh, Monday nights to Sunday mornings. You know, uh, he was like, hey, you know, you willing to share something on Sunday morning? I'm like, sure. You know, and and then mission trips. You know, it's like I didn't even really had to work to get my fill of it. It's like. God would send somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, with, with Pastor Anufo, he came to me. It's not like, hey, Pastor, can I speak on? And then the same thing for Mondays. Mission trips, it's like they, they would come to us and say, hey, you want to go to a mission trip? So all that was, was more more of that where God was like, you know what? Now let me start using you where you don't even have to go ask. I'm just going to, you know. They present the opportunity. Present the opportunity. To, and then you, all you have to do is decide whether you want to do it or not. Right. So what was the, that, that first mission trip? First mission trip was to Rio Grande City with Doc and Pat. Okay. Yeah. Doc and Pat. It was a, You've been down there a few times, yeah, right? Yeah, like three times already. Okay. Yeah. Went out there. Uh, first time was without my wife. You know, I really wanted her to go. She was working. But uh, I guess God knew, you know, uh, why I needed to go by myself. I, I bonded with so many brothers, Brother Nick, Brother Juan, you know. It, it was beautiful. I loved it. You yeah. know, I loved it. It was something I've, you know, you help your friends out and different things. I think that never, never that wise. It, it was more like, it was more like, uh, hey, I got car problems. Come help me out in this. Hey, you know, but to say hey, we're going to go help out this missionary and then for them to explain what they're doing, you know, the good cause that, that comes behind that, you know. And then when, when they said, hey, on Saturday we're going to go out to Progressive, you know, going around with the bullhorn and getting the people in. And I'm thinking, how many people could show up? You know, we're just – and probably over 100 people showed up, wow. not including the kids, you know. 
the, just the feeling of it, man. There's the smile in their face, them hearing the word. And and when you hear their, their petitions, you know, to the Lord and say, can you pray for me over this? And you're like, wow, I thought I had it bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where they're asking for something as simple as, uh, can I get some funds for tortillas or beans? And you're like, what? Do we have that over there in Houston? Or <laughs> food centers that give it to you, you know? Right. You know, and you hear that, that part of it. And, and it's it's very emotional, you know? Yeah. First time seeing that. Yeah, I can only imagine. I was at my uh, my son's ho- uh, house the other day, and uh, he had a, a line break on his um, on his well. So I went over there, and we're replumbing it back on together, and then... Um, you know, I had my service truck over there, so I looked like I was official, you know, yeah, like yeah. I was the dude that fixed uh, wells, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so this lady comes across the street, from across the street, and she didn't speak any English, and she was being interpreted by her son, and she was just like, uh, can you help me? Like, I haven't had water in a week, you mm. know, and they mm. couldn't afford to fix their their well and this and this. And I was just like, I, you know, I was thinking so much, man, that like we just – we just take advantage of what we have. Like I pulled up, I had everything in my service truck that, yeah. you know, that my, my son needed. And I, we just went in there and fixed it and not even thinking right across the street, this lady, you know, they haven't had any good water to take showers in or to mm. cook with and all that, uh, you know, r- right across the street, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, we got, we got to re- rethink about how we live our lives mm. and how we take advantage uh, of things. Um, so did that just, did you, would that fulfill the, like the feeling that you had for missions at that point? Or did you was just like, Oh, that was fun. And you know, we'll try something different or, or is there a, yeah, it, it changed my way of thinking, put me in a different perspective. You know, uh, of course we will never fill Jesus shoes. I mean, to come to that perfection is going to be impossible, yeah. but it got me thinking, well, you know, I know I can't help every, any everybody, you know, <laughs> one, because of the funds. Of course, we can't travel all over the world and help everybody that needs it. But, you know, a little at a time, you know, you know, and I started thinking over that. I'm like, wow, this is something, you know, I, I, I came back to Houston with a different mindset. And I told my wife, you know, like, like I said, you know, Tommy, Tommy always taught us, you know, hey, be careful with the culture shock because you'll go there that first time, fall in love with it and say, oh, this is where I'm coming, progresso, and I'm just going to do it. You know, and, and I did have that in my mind. And, and I did love it as much. We're like, oh, I wouldn't mind doing this all the time. Uh, of course, sometimes you have to realize, well, you know, you have responsibilities at home as well, you know, your bills and all that other stuff. But when I came back, I really didn't feel bled yet. Uh, it was there. I talked to my wife and I was like, you know what? Be cool. Once we retire, maybe go somewhere and just help, you know, just. And she was like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, uh, we'll talk about it later. And we did, you know, and, and our goal was that, you know, once we retire, pick wherever we would love to live, you know, Ecuador, Philippines or whatever, and get involved and help, you know. So it's like a seed was planted there. Right. You know, just from that one mission trip. Hmm. So talk to me about going there and helping the people the way they need to be helped and not bring America to their city, you know, because as you know, we think, man, if we can just bring our culture over there, that will fix everything, you know, but that's not what those people need. Those people need something different. Tell us a little bit about uh, about yeah. that piece. Okay. Uh, yeah. When you go out there, like I said, you know, we, we always, and, and he does it even if you, uh, uh, and I'm speaking about Brother Tommy, you know, since he's in charge of the uh, short-term mission trips, he still 
guides you through a six-week course, even if you have gone before. So if you can, you can keep it fresh as far as the rules and that. And all the, uh, that's one of the questions that is on there. You know, don't bring, of course, the Western world to wherever you're going because it, they don't know. And, and I'll give you an example. We're, we're in Honduras. We went to an Honduras mission trip, and we went to a, a feeding center for the children who were, who were building the feeding center and everything. And I remember that morning we had cooked the uh, chicken and rice, and we took all that. And usually how it works is uh, for breakfast, we'll eat there at the compound. Midday, we'll eat whatever we're taking. So we arrive there, and the, and, and the children show up with the bottom of a two-liter Coke as their plate. It's mm-hmm. like they cut the, the top part of the bottle, and the bottom part is, is their plate to get the food on. Mm-hmm. And it was such a moving experience, so emotional, that we didn't even eat. Wow. Like, like, hey, it's time for y'all to eat. We were like, we don't want it. Just give it to them. Give it to them. You know, you see them dirty. You see them with torn clothes. But you see that they don't realize that they're poor. They don't understand that. They don't understand where, you know what, I'm lacking clothes. I'm lacking a plate. I'm lacking shoes because they were all barefoot. They don't realize that. You know, you're there introducing them Jesus Christ, telling them how much he loves them, giving them coloring books. And the whole time, you know, they're enjoying it and loving it without them knowing what we being in the United States, you know, and, and that's something that's different, you know. Uh, of course, as they grow up, you know, when you start talking to the parents, then they realize that uh, no matter how much, you know, I've had one or two where I would pray for them and they were like, uh, you know, we accept your prayers, but we need the funds. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, of course, prayer is not going to buy them what they need, right. you know. And the only thing we can assure them is that if you continue to trust in God, it will be provided. Right. You know, it will be provided. And and their faith, I should say, with the countries that we've gone to is also Catholic. Mm. You know, a lot of them are Catholic. Yeah. And, and they don't, how should I say, they don't teach the sound doctrine where the complete trust in God, you know, is going to be the provider, you know. Right. They're more of... Okay, we'll see what the father says today. Yeah, you know, and 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 the little bit that the 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 priest teaches on, it's just the the hope that they rely on. Right. You know, they they don't they don't have the full gospel where it says, you know what, just trust in him. Yeah. Pray, trust in him. And sometimes, you know, and I, and I hate to say this, you know, sometimes what they do is they rely on the saints. You know, uh, where, where I'm going to, that, that's my grandmother. You know, I've been talking to her. She says. St. Andrew, St. Mark. And I tell her, who do they pray to? Jesus, you know, why do you have to go to them? You know, why do you have to go go straight to the the main person, which is Jesus Christ? But they don't have that mentality. So is it, is it the... Is it because they, they don't feel worthy or just the, the, the doctrine that they've been taught? It's the doctrine they've been taught. Uh, a lot of them... Uh, they do they do uh, mandas, which is uh, what's a manda? How should I say that? It's like a pledge. Let's say their son is sick, and then they say, Saint Andrew, if you heal my son, then I pledge to go on this walk. They usually they do one week walks up to like where there's a temple okay. for Saint Andrew. Son happens to get healed. Thank you, Saint Andrew. Mm. Okay. But like I tell them, you know, I've, uh, my aunt and them, I've spoken to them. I go, that's the way the enemy works. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, imagine if you told a rock, 
hey, Mr. Rock, heal my son. And he gets healed. Are you going to worship the rock? You know, I go, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Yeah. I go, you should go directly to the source, which is Jesus Christ. And then you wouldn't have to do this walk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just give them back wherever you are. Yeah, uh, that's good because you're right. You're, the enemy always wants to keep something mm-hmm. in between you and the Father, yeah. right? And uh, and he, he's allowing some of these good, you know, good men, these saints that were good men, uh, to to be just that. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the way the enemy works sometimes. He'll he'll separate you by some good things. Yeah, you know, too much, too much is something good can be something bad yeah right and uh and the enemy likes to blur those lines and that's what he's doing with a a whole culture of people um so what is the difficulties when you find when you're going out to minister to some of these different countries that have um you know a foundation of things like that to really let them understand this this fresh manta that that Jesus provides each and every day other than having to continue to go to the priest and the saints and different things like that how how difficult is the to crossing that line and really getting them to understand where you're coming from well the thing we need to learn is that when we're out there, you can't really come out and be straightforward and say, you know what, your religious is wrong. Right. Because right. right there, you're like, what? You know, get yeah. out of my house. <laughs> or, you know what, I don't want your prayers. So the best thing you can do is just the love of Jesus. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, and that's how you start. You know, you just tell them, hey, lo- Jesus loves you and this and that. You'll get some that say, so what you're saying that what I'm believing is wrong. And of course, it's, it's a rhetorical where you can't really say, you know what, yes, it is, right. which is the truth. Well, what you do is, of course, you know you're going to do follow-ups. You know, you're going to do follow-ups where you go and continue to talk to them. And But what you tell them is, you know what, just give it a chance. Build that relationship with Jesus Christ and then the Holy Spirit. You believe in the Holy Spirit. And, and you'll find out the majority of them believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in the Holy Spirit and they believe in God. You know, it's just that since their grandmother did the saints, great-grandmother did the saints, you know, and it's a traditional thing that they just want to keep on going. Yeah. So what you do is you like, you know what, just build that relationship with Jesus Christ and you'll see that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal himself into you and show you what's going to, you know, because I truly believe that if you build that relationship, you you stay in your word, you build that relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to tell you, you know what, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. me. You don't have to go to anybody else. It's, you yeah. know, it's me. And, and that's what basically, you know, I hope to succeed in, in, in doing this with the people. Yeah. You know, going to their homes with uh, these these food care packages and telling me hey, we're doing this because Jesus Christ loves you. Yeah, and we good. want you to build that relationship with him. Here's the Bible. Stay in the word. That's oh, I don't good. read that much. Well, start with one verse a day, you know, yeah. and just build up. And eventually, you know, you're going to come to know him. Yeah, I have this message, um, and it was, I think it was about speaking in tongues. I, I, I remember, yeah, it was about speaking in tongues. And uh, I brought the, remember the old bag phones? Mm-hmm. Like the front, some of the very <laughs> first. Yeah. yeah. And then I, yeah. you know, I said, how ridiculous would it be like you just showed up to like a, a restaurant and you set your bag phone on the table? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> everybody else has these smartphones, yeah. but you put this bag phone on the table, yeah. you know, and, and it, what if I, Somebody told me I have a better way than having to carry that bag phone around. Look at look at how small this yeah. phone is right here, and it does everything a computer can do. Mm-hmm. But if I continue to say no, 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 I'm just <laughs> going to use this bag phone. And I think a lot of times in our 
our walk with the Lord, we get stuck in some of the old ways that, and people are coming to it. Like you're, you're showing up and say, Hey, what if I just gave you a, a little easier way or a little better yeah. way to do a, a little fresh way to do something? Um, uh, I think that, you know, we can make impact. And I, I like the way what you said is you're having these home visits. I had a friend of mine and, uh, he said, uh, we were talking about the black community and some of the things that were going on. And I was just like, well, how do you change mindset? How do you change the mindset of a whole, a whole culture and a whole different things like that? And he was just like, David, one at a time, Mm -hmm. one at a time. And I think like what you, what you, what you were saying there is going to have these home visits and just building a relationship with them and not hitting them over the head with the Bible and tell them that they're doing it wrong, the wrong way. And the way they've always done it was, is wrong, but you introduce yourself and bring in the care packages and, and build that relationship and build that trust with them. And then at some point, you know, you're able to share the full gospel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> David's about to explode. Here. It's all right. Uh, how uh, how often do you go on mission trips? Well, whenever they become available, and of course, uh, the funds are there. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's uh, usually a, a brother Tommy's our source. You know, he'll come and say, "Hey, you know, we have this coming up." You know, a lot of times he always tells us a good. Four or five months in advance, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know last year one got canceled because of the COVID. We were mm-hmm. supposed to go to the Philippines, which we were really were like, wow, we get to go to the Philippines. We wanted to go, but then COVID happened, mm-hmm. and uh, then we didn't happen to do that one. Uh, this one here, he told us about the Ecuador one. He told us probably about when was it August of last year? I want to say. Where he and says, when, hey, you, it's when op- are you supposed to do the Ecuador? One? Oh, we did. We did it already oh, okay, in February. So yeah, yeah, gotcha. we just did that one. But he told us ahead of time. He was like, hey. We're going to Ecuador, or the airports are open again, you know, and we're yeah, like, yeah. yay. <laughs> so how does how does the funds thing work? Because I think that's usually w- one of, if not the biggest obstacle most people face when they think they're going to do. Yeah, a mission trip. the funds is probably the, the hardest part for any individual. Uh, of course, real grand is here local, three hundred dollars, you know. You know, we were blessed to have had that. But mm-hmm. when you start talking about Honduras or Africa, you know, where my wife went, and then we're like, how much is that one, Tommy? And he'll always say, oh, 2000 this. You know, then we're like, yeah. oh, my God, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, and, and praise God, you know, we do have some faithful givers. Yeah. Uh, Ecuador, uh, Honduras, even when my wife went to Africa, we had silent givers from the church that said, hey, what, you know what, we want to sponsor this amount. And then, of course, we came up with their other other amount. And it's always usually been half, where if me and my wife are going, somebody would pay one of ours. Yeah. And then all we have to do is come up with the rest. Mm-hmm. And we, we thank God and we thank Elam Church for, for the faithful givers uh, because – and some some of the other people that are going same thing you know we, we hear them they're like oh praise god somebody gave towards ours you know and that's something that elam church is it's very very you know mission minded my mission minded yeah yeah, yeah where, where they're like you know what we can't go but we're going to be involved with sending you you know right. and, and that's something that's that's awesome about this church yeah we uh we support over 70 missionaries um every month and uh, i mean our mission programs you know Mm top-notch we have other churches either 
giving money into our missions program where we can, you know, send it out to all the different missionaries or they're coming to find out what our program looks like so they can um, put it in their church. Um, Brother Dell just just a tremendous job on the missions, the full-time mission side, and then Brother Tommy just does an amazing job on the short-term. So how many short-term mission trips have you been on? I want to say three, about six. Six. Yeah. And then at some point, right, some point you were just like, man, I feel like God has a calling on my life to do do this full time. Um, what happened? What did that look like in your life? I think uh, the, the calling came after the last one. Like I said, you know. Uh, uh, and this was Ecuador? Ecuador, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I think I told you off the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to Ecuador, and Ecuador was a totally different missionary trip that uh, the other ones that we've gone to it's always a hey, we're going to help build this we're going to lay concrete we're going to set up some walls sheet rot some walls or whatever it was that involved more of the work which is we're like okay you know we're going we're going to work well this one on the way over there and he didn't tell us to to probably a week <laughs> before we were going out there we're like this is our schedule of preaching and i was like what do you mean he was like yeah you need to come up with some messages because we're going to be involved in different churches preaching and they want you and lily to do a, a marriage con- conference out there we're like what <laughs> a week you give me a week for a conference come and, on and you don't want to say thank you because we use some of your ideas that, that <laughs> well, you had you. Yeah, there you, you should have called me i would have given you my notes man <laughs> you know so i was like uh, pastor david did this but let's do these these little uh, mm-hmm. uh, things that he did on the stage, you know, and it, it helped out a lot, Very you know, with, with some That's of the awesome. time. And uh, before you go on, because <laughs> I think that. Man, when, when you do certain things, like, you never know where that's going to reach. Like, when we did our marriage conference right here, I didn't, I didn't know that that was going to inspire you guys to take it to Ecuador. And I know that uh, it's also um, the, uh, oh, my gosh. Who is the the older couple that um, that goes to Ecuador also? The Owens. The Owens. Owens. Yeah, they've used some of our stuff in yeah. the past and, and take it to different parts of the world. So, yeah. and you know, you think you're speaking to a hundred people or fifty people, you never know oh, yeah. how that's going to take for the rest of the world. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. it'll impact. You know. We're listening and we're looking at it. So, so, have you ever thought, I wonder if they grabbed anything? Well, you know, I, I'm here to tell you, yeah, we did grab some of that because once we got there, we thought it was a regular 45-minute course. So we mm-hmm. had done that. It wasn't until we arrived in Ecuador where the pastor told us, no, it's a conference. You know, we're, we're, we're going to decorate the church. We're going to have a meal afterwards. Oh, and we're wow. like, I look at Tommy and Tommy's like, I didn't know. <laughs> He knew. So afterwards, we're like, test. so like, what did, what did Pastor David do? Okay, we need lipstick. We need to get some. Uh, we need to go get some uh, 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 binders to ask the questions. You know, and, and we were like, you know, praise God that we went to it where we got the ideas. You know, yeah. But everything went well. You know, everything was good. Uh, and then how we'll, would you not know it's a conference? <laughs> like, how would they <laughs> to invite you to come and, and speak? How and did speak. that that not get thrown? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Like, well, 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 I think the translation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you think the imagine? translation part was where Tommy doesn't speak the English, uh, the yeah. Spanish, oh, yeah. you know, and he heard it as a, a message. Yeah. Okay. You know, once we got there, the, the you know we sat down with her a week before, and she was like, "No, no, we're going to decorate the whole church. We've asked everybody to dress." 
dress nicely. Mm. You know, bring they're gonna bring their spouse. And Dressing so, nice for this. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about dress talking. and very, very, very nice. Uh, but but anyways, yeah, everything went well over there. And then we we come back. You know, we come back, and then I was like, okay, I was supposed to start applying for jobs and everything. You know, and and I, I told Lily, I was like, you know what? It's 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 like God's tugging me to on something. You know, maybe it'll pass. I'm gonna give it. You know. We came we came back the week before a convocation. I was like, maybe after convocation, this this feeling will go away. Well, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't go away. And and you know, I'm talking about restless nights. The same thought over and over. You know, and and I and I talked to Brother Edwin. You know, because uh, I don't know if you knew he did this, but uh, he he had what God told him. I need for you to build a, a cross, and I need for you to walk down 45. From where you live, all the way up to Amita Mall, and he lives right there by Golf Gate, so wow, that's so a long man. walk. Yeah. So I went to him and told him, "Hey, man, you know, when when you had this vision or hearing from God, you know, how was it?" He like, "Dude, I couldn't sleep." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> number Dude, one, all I did was just thought about it, this and that." I'm like, "Well, what was your confirmation?" He was that when he gave me the dimensions and the measurements to do that cross, it came out exact. Wow. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, wow. He goes, so ask for confirmation, brother. And I was like, all right. So we're on our last day of, of, uh, of, of convocation, and I was like, give me confirmation. You know, give me confirmation, God, you know, because I don't just want to go, and this is all me, my feelings, and this and that. Mm-hmm. And, and I got it. I got confirmation with Mike Malay, uh, one of the missionaries, uh, Matthew Jacobs, you know, he gave me confirmation as well. Of course, scripture, you know, he told me, open up scripture and whatever it lands, you know, and it landed on, on uh, what you want to call it? Uh, I got it here. <laughs> I've always carried it, you know, and and, uh, and I was like, wow, God, you know, so so it is you. You do want me to go. Yeah, I think that's one of these things that, that we really need to lean into confirmation and not just uh, on feelings. I think a lot of Pentecostals, you know, full gospel uh, we we just like we get a feeling, you know, or we don't prepare, and we're just like I'm gonna wing it, brother. Um, I think that because we're a little bit looser than a lot of other faiths, that we rely on the Holy Spirit too much. I don't know if that's the right term, rely on the Holy Spirit too much, yeah. but mm-hmm. we instead of I think God expects us to be prepared and expects us to understand that his his path for us and not just like, okay, God, uh, <laughs> whatever, you know, and the Bible talks about it, that you're here to and fro, you know, being uh, pushed around by the wind and those type of things instead of just really understanding the vision that God has for you and having those confirmations and not just jumping out there too early. Well, that was something one of the missionaries uh, told me that before he left, he was like, you know, he's very adamant about just opening up his Bible and wherever it lands to, and many times God spoken to him. And I remember going home after convocation, I was like, I've never done this, God, but let's check it out, (laughs) you know? So I opened it, and he took me to the Song of Solomon, which is weird because the Song of Solomon usually doesn't talk about God. I mean, we know the foreshadow of God being there, you know, and he took took me to Song of of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our walls. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Mm. And I was like, what? So I read a little bit more. And before that scripture ends, it says it again. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Mm. And that part, I was like, 
come away, you know. So you're telling me, go for it, you know. And I told Lily, and she was like, well, there you go. And I was like, are you going with me? And she was like, well, he called you. <laughs> you know, she was maybe, you know, because like I said, you know, you, you can't just jump up and leave. It's, you know, you hear it all the time where, okay, they had the funds. We paid our house off. We did all pay all this off, and we took off. Praise God. You know, but we're we're not in that state. You know, we still own our own house. And, and I thank my, my wife where, where she was, you know, she was, in agreement with me where she like, you know, if God told you to do that, go do it. She goes, don't worry about us. You know, me and your daughter's got it. You know, we're both working. The bills ain't that much, you know, and and we'll go from there and see what happens. And she was behind me 100%. So now you made this commitment, right? And uh, so where do you go from here? That's another thing. You know, uh, when I sat down with Pastor Mark, and I believe those were in my emotions when I was like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm yeah. going to have these outers full. Go over uh, where? To Mexico. Okay, Mexico. You know, what part of Mexico? Guanajuato, Mexico. Okay. And uh, Sounds cool. <laughs> and pastor's like, go do it. But again, those were my words. You know, mm-hmm. you're, I'm going to go build a church. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And when I got there, it, it, like, it was totally different. You know, my cousin has a church there and I spoke with him. And I'm like, how can we go about us doing this, you know, and, and doing this other stuff. And then. With prayer and everything, finally was like, no, I didn't call you to build a church over here. You know, I called you to help the people over here, Mm. to get them to know Jesus because a lot of them don't. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that? You know, I I don't know how to do that. And I remember I remember uh, watching, I think, believe it was on YouTube in Ukraine, as a matter of fact, as the war goes on right now, where an individual would do that. He would make these food packages where he would put food in there and a Bible and he would go to the families and he would tell them, hey, Jesus loves you. That's why we do this. Wow. You know, and, and I was like, wow, that sounds good. So I ran up by my cousin. He was like, wow, nobody's ever done that. You know, so I was like, what is wrong with it? And, and what I did was I went to the over there. It's different. You know, it's like where we're at. It's a small little town in Guanajuato. But 10 minutes away is another town. 15 minutes away is another town. And, and you have little towns that are around. Well, each town has a, like a judge that oversees the town. And that judge has the names of every single individual that lives there. And you can go up to him and tell him, hey, you know, who's in financial need? Oh, this person. They're husband died and she's by herself with three kids or what so that was i was like wow you know god lined that up where i was able to get names of each little town which i already have and and know okay now i know where i can go right you know so back to what james was saying like financially now that you're full-time missionary god has called you to leave everything behind and go make fishers of men um where where does the money come from? Like how do how do you afford to be over there by yourself? How do you afford the rice and the beans and the Bibles that you're giving away and all those things? Like how does that work? Well, one thing that that's that's good with Mexico, David, is that the the dollar goes a long way. And when I say that, it's one dollar is twenty pesos. Okay. Well, before I came over here, uh, my dad has five strips of land. One land was. You couldn't even farm it because I had these bushes with thorns. So I told my uncle I would want somebody to clean it out so we can use this land of farm so we can give to the people. I go, how much is it going to cost me? And I'm talking about a pretty good strip. (laughs) And he was like, oh, 250 pesos, which is about uh, 200 pesos is, I think, how is it? Five, ten, ten dollars, ten dollars and 
about $11. It's what it is. And, and I, I felt kind of sad because I'm like, this guy's going to be out here in the sun. It's It was hot. You know, it's hot. It's like the temperatures like here in Houston. It's not like they're bringing a yeah, bulldozer yeah. in and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. knocking so, it out. So, so I was like, only that? And I was like, well, you tell them to go ahead and clean out the land and, and leave it nice and neat, and we're going to give them 400 pesos, which is, it's five twenty bucks. Wow. Which is still, you're like, man, 20 bucks for what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, for every 100 pesos, it's five bucks, you know. So price-wise, compared to the dollar, it's really not that much. Uh, the majority of the food would be, of course, from the land, you know. My uncle already has the tractors and all that. We would just have to buy the seed, which, I mean, it's really not even that, that expensive to do all that. Right. You know. Uh, so y'all going to grow pretty yeah, much Yeah, we're going to grow basically all of the corn, the beans, everything else. Wow. And so we'll have all that. Wow. Right now, praise God, I came back thinking, okay, I uh, uh, want to get some Spanish Bibles. Uh, again, you know, it's like God knows, you know. Brother Jimmy just came up to me. Hey, brother, how you doing? How's everything going? And I'm like, oh, everything's good. And I was like, hey, you know, by any chance... Yeah, I know somebody. So you see, so so that's in the work. So hopefully we can get some Spanish Bibles. Now... Uh, will I be doing full-time ministry in Mexico? I don't think so because, you know, when I was over there, I had a pastor from Ecuador call me. And he told me, hey, you know what? I'm calling you. I don't want to be offensive. I'm not asking for money, but uh, we need some Spanish Bibles and some clothes. And I was I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, right now I'm in Mexico and I get back to Houston uh, May 20th. You know, I'll look into it, see what's going on, if I can get you some. And I felt God said... It's starting, you know, and I'm like, like, what's starting? He was like, okay, get something going in Mexico, then I'm going to need you over here, and then I'm going to need you over here, and then it, it seems like it's more like that, okay, you know, so. So who tends the land? Like, who who grows the food and those type of things? My, my uncle does that, you okay. know, yeah. He, yeah. Like, right now, he's he's doing all the land. Uh, the, the rainy season comes uh, third week of June. Okay. So he needs to farm all that. Yeah. So when we stay there, we're telling him, hey, just go ahead and do it. When I get back, you know, you know, just tell me how much it is. Again, I'm not worried about the cost. Yeah. You know, because I saw the land that he has, and it's way more than what we have. And I told him, how much did it cost you to farm all this? And he told me 300 bucks. Wow. So I was like, wow, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's cheap, you know, yeah. it's cheap. You know, the other thing is that, praise God, you know, my kids are doing good and, and, because I sat all of them down. I'm planning to do this, you know, and, and all of them pledge. Well, you know what, Dad? We're going to sow into this ministry. Every month you have $100 from us. Mm. $300 over there, nobody even makes that. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody even makes that in, in a month. And to us, it's like I'm used to $1,000 a week checks. And 300 bucks that gives you <laughs> some, some gas, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but over there, like I said, it's, it's different, you know, where, where the dollar stretches a long way as far as uh, if you want to do something. Right. Right. Um, do you have a, a way if somebody wants to, like, pledge money towards what you're doing? Is there a way that they can contact you? Do you have, like— uh, I haven't started anything up. Okay. I would say probably the best way would be through the church. Through the church. <laughs> yeah, through the church. if you want to and do something attention, for them. Yeah, attention, attention. Alex Medina. And um, I think that, like you said, just a few bucks to help him out a lot, uh, Mexico, and then wherever he's going in yeah. Ecuador or whatever, yeah. whatever else. Um, if you had, if you had to tell a guy that's in church and has been helping out here and there, because now that you can look back to that first time that Pastor Anufo asked you to teach the the men's um, 
Bible study, right? And then uh-huh. from there forward, you can see every step that the Lord was preparing you to send you off on mission trips and then now going full-time ministry. If you can just look back and just talk to that, that young Alex Medina that just had his first Bible study, what would you tell that, that young man? I would tell him, you know, and I, and I hear this all the time, and, and I would tell them, do not use the words, let me pray about it, mm. okay? Because I, I think of a time when Pastor Mark came up to me, and and I believe in my pastor, you know, that he's a godly man, and he came to me and he said, I would love for you to do communion. And I remember that night I was thinking, I had the message that I wanted to give, you know, and I had told my pastor, let me pray about it, I'll let you know. And I didn't do it, mm. you know. And I and I really, really, you know, killed myself over it, thinking, why didn't I do it? You know, I felt so bad about it. So if somebody comes up to you and say, I need you to do this, you know, don't ever say it, let me pray about it. Run with it. Do it. If they're asking you, it's for a reason. Yeah. You know, if they're asking you, it's for a reason. God's opened yeah. up opportunities for you. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I would tell them. Well, very good, man. I uh, man, I appreciate you coming by and kind of just sharing your heart and sharing your journey. Um, I think that um, we kind of come from the same background as far as professionally, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, um, oil and blending and yeah. all that stuff. And uh, I remember stepping out from that and it opened up my own company is kind of the same thing that you're doing and it, it takes a lot man to leave that good paying job oh, yeah. and the career and and retirement and all that stuff and leave it behind and really step out in faith to do something new uh so i commend you for it man i commend you for going out there where a lot of people won't you know won't go and uh, and uh to do the things that god has called them to do man so uh good luck out there i know that mm-hmm. the lord's continuing to bless you and your family um just a personal note for me to you man <laughs> I, I look at you guys too i look at your wife and, and you in church and the way you guys worship and the way you guys serve and it's um it's a blessing to, to uh, me and my family's life so I appreciate you guys and everything that you y'all have done here at Elam Church and uh, go for it, man. Thanks. I I know that God's got some uh, just amazing, amazing things ahead of you. So I appreciate you coming by today. Amen. All right, and we love you. This is the Refuge Project.